0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. According to the Lord. Jesus said to his disciples As the Father loves me, I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and your joy might be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves, because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I have told you everything I have heard from my Father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. This I command you love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord
1: I have mentioned in the past the capacity of our world to trivialize all that is beautiful. True or good. In our idea of God, we even trivialize God. We trivialize the sacred. In particular, we trivialize love. In our culture, love has become something possessive, something narcissistic, selfish, something I take to myself. And I will give insofar as it pleases me. But that is not the love of God. It is not the love of the gospel. Our Lord wants to drive that home. And he speaks to his apostles as he prepares to go to his death. This is the Last Supper, remember. He says, as the Father loves me, so I also love you. What does that mean, the love of God? Really, what does it mean? And he says then, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. But more than this, he says, love one another as I have loved you. That's the great mystery of love, and that is the great formula for it also. But what is the love of God? How do we understand the love of God? We are finite creatures. I mentioned several weeks ago the idea of destiny. You and I have a destiny. We were created from the very beginning to move towards that end, towards that goal. And the destiny is God. God has no destiny. God simply is. Infinite perfection, infinite act. He's not going anywhere from anywhere. He simply is. So what do we speak of then when the second person of the Trinity takes our nature with a destiny? He's going somewhere. He's going to teach us what love is. I read the other day a definition of God's love by, again, Monsignor Romano Guardini. It's rather a mystical definition. But he said, it is the incomprehensible will with which he permits the creature to approach him in such a way that he must now solve the problem of its destiny. Not through aloof and omnipotent providence, but through the giving of himself, by entering into history, living among us, and rising victorious over death and sin. This is that work of love of which the New Testament speaks. In other words, we were no longer able to achieve our destiny because of original sin an actual sin, our sins. We no longer had the grace to do it and we couldn't give it to ourselves. The destiny that was ours, that God was no longer open to us and only God could restore that destiny by taking on ours. So our Lord then can say if you keep my commandments you will remain in my love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and your joy might be complete. Imagine speaking of joy as he goes to the cross because he's speaking of love. Love one another as I have loved you. Then you will be my friends if you understand that love, if you accept that love. Because the love of the Lord, as we know, is the love of the cross. That's God's love. That's how God solved the problem of our destiny. And we now, once again can move towards God and enter into his kingdom. That began at our baptism for us, and the life of God came into us. Our destiny was once again open. We had the capacity for God, the capacity of holiness, the capacity, of heaven, the capacity to love, which we had lost too. And so we now begin to understand what love is all about, and we begin to realize <clears throat> what that demands of us. You are my friend's. But no one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That then, from from there until the end of time, becomes the great witness of love that we ourselves must assume. That can be somewhat intimidating, can't it? To think of love in those terms? That love is always going to be found in terms of the cross? We have our own idea of it. Again, The world has its own idea of what that love is supposed to be. And yet, he tells us, I no longer call you slaves. I call you my friends, because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. In other words, you couldn't do it. I alone could do it, and I alone could call you. And I do now call you. I call you because of what I'm about to do for you. You see, the love of God isn't vague. Our world would like to keep things a little gray. God's love isn't gray. God's love is vivid. God's love is crucial. God's love is, in a way, terrifying because it's so beautiful. We would like to settle for something less, but God wouldn't give us anything less. Remember that question again? It comes over back again and again and again. Why did you have to do that? And the answer, of course, is because love does such things, and infinite love does such things as you and I cannot imagine and sometimes don't even want to think about. So that means that if you and I are going to be able to love anyone whether it be a spouse or a friend, the cross has to be at the center of that love or it will never be real love at all. That at first sounds somewhat strange, doesn't it? But in the end, unless our love is the love of the cross, there will be no joy, real joy. It's because the cross symbols sacrifice and obedience. And if I love you, I'm willing to take those two things upon myself out of love for you. whenever Whenever I have a wedding, there's something I always say to the couple, and if you're going to be married, you'll hear it from me again, and that is that if you want to know what your love is all about, books may help you, advice may help you, but in the end, your love will be found in the crucifix. That's the answer to it all. And people will say, well, the love of God. I don't experience the love of God. My life is miserable. I'm rejected by everybody. Things have always gone wrong. Every complaint about the love of God is shattered by the cross. And so you then and I are called to learn that love. And because I said it's strange to think that true joy only comes once the cross is part of every relationship, because only then is there the sacrifice that is what makes love to be love, and the obedience that also is a sign of love. Strange, isn't it, that love always demands obedience. In any event, this this goes one step further, as you no doubt know, that the love of God for us is not simply an idea. It isn't simply a reflection. Uh, It isn't simply something upon which we meditate. The love of God for us is real. Because, as I have loved you, becomes present perfectly in the Eucharist. In the body and blood of the Lord, that love becomes real. So we don't just have to think about it. We can look at it, touch it, receive it, and then become capable of what we have received. Without the Eucharist, though, that love will never be possible completely in us either. As I have loved you, because only there does the cross and the resurrection become present. I read the other day a short reflection on that love. I don't even know who wrote it. It was rather simple when I first read it and I thought, you know, for something simple that's really quite beautiful. But most of the simple, beautiful things are simple. It said, so, I adore you, Jesus. Come in the flesh to save mankind. Coming firstly Through the virgin's womb. Oh, miracle of love no one expected. Coming secondly in the living bread. O miracle of love so often rejected. So we will come today to bask in the presence of love. Love in the flesh. Not just an idea of love, but love personified in the reality of Jesus Christ. And then with the cross, we can learn to love the world, learn to love one another, and
2: perhaps even learn to love ourselves. For Matthew, whom we have welcomed today as one of us, that he may have the help and guidance of the Holy Spirit to persevere faithfully in the choice he has made. We pray to the Lord. Lord, our prayer. For all who believe in Christ and for the communities to which they belong, that they may come to perfect unity, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. For the church in which Matthew was baptized and received his formation as a Christian, that it may always grow in knowledge of Christ and proclaim him more effectively, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. For all in whom the spark of desire for God already burns, that they may be led to the fullness of truth in Christ. We pray to the Lord Lord, for those who do not yet believe in Christ the Lord, that they may enter the way of salvation by the light of the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Lord Lord, for all people, that they may be freed from hunger and war and live in peace and tranquility. We pray to the Lord Lord, for ourselves that as we have received the gift of faith, so too we may persevere in it to the end of our lives. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer.
1: God, our Father, hear the prayers we offer, and we may continue our loving service to you. Grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And be now, during the Easter season, proclaim Jesus Christ victory over sin and death in the Christus Vincit.